Part three, chapter two of Song of the Lark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. The Song of the Lark by Willa Siebert Cather. Chapter two. During that winter, Thea lived in so many places that sometimes at night, when she left Bower's studio and emerged into the street, she had to stop and think for a moment to remember where she was living now and what was the best way to get there. When she moved into a new place, her eyes challenged the beds, the carpets, the food, the mistress of the house. The boarding houses were wretchedly conducted, and Thea's complaints sometimes took an insulting form. She quarreled with one landlady after another and moved on. When she moved into a new room, she was almost sure to hate it on sight and to begin planning to hunt another place before she unpacked her trunk. She was moody and contemptuous toward her fellow boarders, except toward the young men, whom she treated with a careless familiarity, which they usually misunderstood. They liked her, however, and when she left the house after a storm, they helped her to move her things and came to see her after she got settled in a new place. But she moved so often that they soon ceased to follow her they could see no reason for keeping up with a girl who under her jocularity was cold self-centered and unimpressionable they soon felt that she did not admire them thea used to waken up in the night and wonder why she was so unhappy she would have been amazed if she had known how much the people whom she met in bower's studio had to do with her low spirits she had never been conscious of those instinctive standards which are called ideals and she did not know that she was suffering for them she often found herself sneering when she was on a street-car, or when she was brushing out her hair before her mirror, as some insane remark or too familiar mannerism flitted across her mind. She felt no creature kindness, no tolerant goodwill for Mrs. Priest or Jessie Darcy. After one of Jessie Darcy's concerts, the glowing press notices and the admiring comments that floated about Bower's studio caused Thea bitter unhappiness it was not the torment of personal jealousy she had never thought of herself as even a possible rival of miss darcy she was a poor music student and jessie darcy was a popular and petted professional mrs priest whatever one held against her had a big fine showy voice and an impressive presence she read indifferently was inaccurate and was always putting other people wrong but she at least had the material out of which singers can be made but people seemed to like jessie darcy exactly because she could not sing because as they put it she was so natural and unprofessional her singing was pronounced artless her voice bird-like miss darcy was thin and awkward in person with a sharp sallow face thea noticed that her plainness was accounted to her credit and that people spoke of it affectionately miss darcy was singing everywhere just then one could not help hearing about her she was backed by some of the packing-house people and by the chicago northwestern railroad only one critic raised his voice against her thea went to several of jessie darcy's concerts it was the first time she had had an opportunity to observe the whims of the public which singers live by interesting she saw that people liked in miss darcy every quality a singer ought not to have and especially the nervous complacency that stamped her as a commonplace young woman they seemed to have a warmer feeling for Jessie than for Mrs. Priest, an affectionate and cherishing regard. Chicago was not so very different from Moonstone, after all, and Jessie Darcy was only Lily Fisher under another name. Thea particularly hated to accompany for Miss Darcy because she sang off pitch and didn't mind it in the least. It was excruciating to sit there day after day and hear her. There was something shameless and indecent about not singing true. 
one morning miss darcy came by appointment to go over the program for her peoria concert she was such a frail-looking girl that thea ought to have felt sorry for her true she had an arch sprightly little manner and a flash of salmon pink on either brown cheek but a narrow upper jaw gave her face a pinched look and her eyelids were heavy and relaxed by the morning light the purplish-brown circles under her eyes were pathetic enough and foretold no long or brilliant future a singer with a poor digestion and low vitality she needed no seer to cast her horoscope if thea had ever taken the pains to study her she would have seen that under all her smiles and archness poor miss darcy was really frightened to death she could not understand her success any more than thea could she kept catching her breath and lifting her eyebrows and trying to believe that it was true her loquacity was not natural she forced herself to it and when she confided to you how many defects she could overcome by her unusual command of head resonance she was not so much trying to persuade you as to persuade herself when she took a note that was high for her miss darcy always put her right hand out into the air as if she were indicating height or giving an exact measurement some early teacher had told her that she could place a tone more surely by the help of such a gesture and she firmly believed that it was of great assistance to her even when she was singing in public she kept her right hand down with difficulty nervously clasping her white kid fingers together when she took a high note thea could always see her elbows stiffen she unvaryingly executed this gesture with a smile of gracious confidence as if she were actually putting her finger on the toe there it is friends this morning in gounod's ave maria miss darcy approached her b natural dons nos alarmes out went the hand with the sure airy gesture though it was little above a she got with her voice whatever she touched with her finger often bowers let such things pass with the right people but this morning he snapped his jaws together and muttered god miss darcy tried again and with the same gesture as of putting the crowning touch tilting her head and smiling radiantly at bowers as if to say it is for you i do all this dons no alarmes this time she made b flat and went on in the happy belief that she had done well enough when she suddenly found that her accompanist was not going on with her and this put her out completely she turned to thea whose hands had fallen in her lap oh why did you stop just there it is too trying now we'd better go back to that other crescendo and try it from there i beg your pardon thea muttered i thought you wanted to get that be natural she began again as miss darcy indicated after the singer was gone bowers walked up to thea and asked languidly why do you hate jessie so her little variations from pitch are between her and the public they don't hurt you has she ever done anything to you except be very agreeable yes she has done things to me thea retorted hotly bowers looked interested what for example i can't explain but i've got it in for her bowers laughed no doubt about that i'll have to suggest that you conceal it a little more effectually that is necessary miss kronberg he added looking back over the shoulder of the overcoat he was putting on he went out to lunch and thea thought the subject closed but late in the afternoon when he was taking his dyspepsia tablet and a glass of water between lessons he looked up and said in a voice ironically coaxing miss kronberg i wish you would tell me why you hate jessie taken by surprise thea put down the score she was reading and answered before she knew what she was saying i hate her for the sake of what i used to think a singer might be bowers balanced the tablet on the end of his long forefinger and whistled softly and how did you form your conception of what a singer ought to be he asked i don't know thea flushed and spoke under her breath but i suppose i got most of it from harsanyi 
bowers made no comment upon her reply but opened the door for the next pupil who was waiting in the reception-room it was dark when thea left the studio that night she knew she had offended bowers somehow she had hurt herself too she felt unequal to the boarding-house table the sneaking divinity student who sat next to her and had tried to kiss her on the stairs last night she went over to the water side of michigan avenue and walked along beside the lake it was a clear frosty winter night the great empty space over the water was restful and spoke of freedom if she had any money at all she would go away the stars glittered over the wide black water she looked up at them wearily and shook her head she believed that what she felt was despair but it was only one of the forms of hope she felt indeed as if she were bidding the stars good-bye but she was renewing a promise though their challenge is universal and eternal the stars get no answer but that the brief light flashed back to them from the eyes of the young who unaccountably aspire the rich noisy city fat with food and drink is a spent thing its chief concern is its digestion and its little game of hide-and-seek with the undertaker money and office and success are the consolations of impotence fortune turns kind to such solid people and lets them suck their bone in peace she flecks her whip upon flesh that is more alive upon that stream of hungry boys and girls who tramp the streets of every city recognizable by their pride and discontent who are the future and who possess the treasure of creative power end of chapter two part three chapter three of song of the lark while her living arrangements were so casual and fortuitous bower's studio was the one fixed thing in thea's life she went out from it to uncertainties and hastened to it from nebulous confusion she was more influenced by bowers than she knew unconsciously she began to take on something of his dry contempt and to share his grudge without understanding exactly what it was about his cynicism seemed to her honest and the amiability of his pupils artificial she admired his drastic treatment of his dull pupils the stupid deserved all they got and more bowers knew that she thought him a very clever man one afternoon when bowers came in for lunch thea handed him a card on which he read the name mr philip frederick ottenberg he said he would be in again to-morrow and that he wanted some time who is he i like him better than the others bowers nodded so do i he's not a singer he's a beer prince son of the big brewer in st louis he's been in germany with his mother i didn't know he was back does he take lessons now and again he sings rather well he's at the head of the chicago branch of the ottenburg business but he can't stick to work and is always running away he has great ideas in beer people tell me he's what they call an imaginative business man goes over to bayreuth and seems to do nothing but give parties and spend money and brings back more good notions for the brewery than the fellows who sit tight dig out in five years i was born too long ago to be much taken in by these chesty boys with flowered vests but i like fred all the same so do i said thea positively bowers made a sound between a cough and a laugh oh he's a lady killer all right the girls in here are always making eyes at him you won't be the first he threw some sheets of music on the piano better look that over a covenant's a little tricky it's for that new woman from detroit and mrs priest will be in this afternoon thea sighed i know that my redeemer liveth the same she starts on her concert tour next week and will have a rest until then i suppose we'll have to be going over her program the next day thea hurried through her luncheon at a german bakery and got back to the studio at ten minutes past one she felt sure that the young brewer would come early before it was time for bowers to arrive 
he had not said he would but yesterday when he opened the door to go he had glanced about the room and at her and something in his eye had conveyed that suggestion sure enough at twenty minutes past one the door of the reception-room opened and a tall robust young man with a cane and an english hat and ulster looked in expectantly aha he exclaimed i thought if i came early i might have good luck and how are you to-day miss kronberg thea was sitting in the window-chair at her left elbow there was a table and upon this table the young man sat down holding his hat and cane in his hand loosening his long coat so that it fell back from his shoulders he was a gleaming florid young man his hair thick and yellow was cut very short and he wore a closely trimmed beard long enough on the chin to curl a little even his eyebrows were thick and yellow like fleece he had lively blue eyes thea looked up at them with great interest as he sat chatting and swinging his foot rhythmically he was easily familiar and frankly so wherever people met young ottenburg in his office on shipboard in a foreign hotel or railway compartment they always felt and usually liked that artless presumption which seemed to say in this case we may waive formalities we really haven't time this is to-day but it will soon be to-morrow and then we may be very different people and in some other country he had a way of floating people out of dull or awkward situations out of their own torpor or constraint or discouragement it was a marked personal talent of almost incalculable value in the representative of a great business founded on social amenities thea had liked him yesterday for the way in which he had picked her up out of herself and her german grammar for a few exciting moments by the way will you tell me your first name please thea oh then you are a swede sure enough i thought so let me call you miss thea after the german fashion you won't mind of course not he usually made his assumption of a special understanding seem a tribute to the other person and not to himself how long have you been with bowers here do you like the old grouch so do i i've come to tell him about a new soprano i heard at bayreuth he'll pretend not to care but he does do you warble with him have you anything of a voice honest you look it you know what are you going in for something big opera thea blushed crimson oh i'm not going in for anything i'm trying to learn to sing at funerals ottenburg leaned forward his eyes twinkled i'll engage you to sing at mine you can't fool me miss thea may i hear you take your lesson this afternoon no you may not i took it this morning he picked up a roll of music that lay behind him on the table is this yours let me see what you are doing he snapped back the clasp and began turning over the songs all very fine but tame what's he got you at this mozart stuff for i shouldn't think it would suit your voice oh i can make a pretty good guess at what will suit you this from Giaconda is more your line. What's this Grieg? It looks interesting. Talk for dit rod. What does that mean? Thanks for your advice. Don't you know it? No, not at all. Let's try it. He rose, pushed open the door into the music room, and motioned Thea to enter before him. She hung back. I couldn't give you much of an idea of it. It's a big song. Ottenburg took her gently by the elbow and pushed her into the other room. He sat down carelessly at the piano and looked over the music for a moment i think i can get you through it but how stupid not to have the german words can you really sing the norwegian what an infernal language to sing translate the text for me he handed her the music thea looked at it then at him and shook her head i can't the truth is i don't know either english or swedish very well and norwegian's still worse she said confidentially she not infrequently refused to do what she was asked to do but it was not like her to explain her refusal even when she had a good reason i understand we emigrants never speak any language well but you know what it means don't you of course i do then don't frown at me like that but tell me thea continued to frown but she also smiled 
she was confused but not embarrassed she was not afraid of ottenburg he was not one of those people who made her spine like a steel rail on the contrary he made one venturesome well it goes something like this thanks for your advice but i prefer to steer my boat into the din of roaring breakers even if the journey is my last i may find what i have never found before onward i must go for i yearn for the wild sea i long to fight my way through the angry waves and to see how far and how long i can make them carry me ottenburg took the music and began wait a moment is that too fast how do you take it that right he pulled up his cuffs and began the accompaniment again he had become entirely serious and he played with fine enthusiasm and with understanding fred's talent was worth almost as much to old otto ottenburg as the steady industry of his older sons when fred sang prize song at an interstate meet of the turnvering ten thousand turners went forth pledged to ottenburg beer as thea finished the song fred turned back to the first page without looking up from the music now once more he called they began again and did not hear bowers when he came in and stood in the doorway he stood still blinking like an owl at their two heads shining in the sun he could not see their faces but there was something about his girl's back that he had not noticed before a very slight and yet very free motion from the toes up her whole back seemed plastic seemed to be moulding itself to the galloping rhythm of the song bowers perceived such things sometimes unwillingly he had known to-day that there was something afoot the river of sound which had its source in his pupil had caught him two flights down he had stopped and listened with a kind of sneering admiration from the door he watched her with a half incredulous half malicious smile when he had struck the keys for the last time ottenburg dropped his hands on his knees and looked up with a quick breath i got you through what a stunning song did i play it right thea studied his excited face there was a good deal of meaning in it and there was a good deal in her own as she answered him you suited me she said ungrudgingly after ottenburg was gone thea noticed that bowers was more agreeable than usual she had heard the young brewer ask bowers to dine with him at his club that evening and she saw that he looked forward to the dinner with pleasure he dropped a remark to the effect that fred knew as much about food and wines as any man in chicago he said this boastfully if he's such a grand business man how does he have time to run around listening to singing lessons thea asked suspiciously as she went home to her boarding-house through the february slush she wished she were going to dine with them at nine o'clock she looked up from her grammar to wonder what bowers and ottenburg were having to eat at that moment they were talking of her end of part three chapter three recording by denise nordell of modesto california